Welcome to Rising Moon Astrology. This is Mary Pat Lynch of Rising Moon Astrology welcoming you to my podcast. I release podcast episodes for each new and full moon, occasionally for other special astrological events, but generally the new and full moons, which are my focus. My website, risingmoonastrology.com, has information about the readings I offer as a consulting astrologer and some other information about my background and astrology in general. I'm also on Instagram as Rising Moon Astrology. And I have a newsletter if you'd like to receive this information in your email inbox. The music that you hear is composed and performed by flautist Suzanne Tang. The track is called September Angels, and her music is available through magnitudes.com. I am very happy to be back and recording this podcast for you. As you might have noticed as podcast listeners, I've been on a bit of a break. I had some health issues come up. I needed some time to sort that out. And I appreciate your patience in waiting for a new episode. And as I said, I'm happy to pick up with this particular new moon. It seems like a good time to get back into it. This new moon is intense and vital and opens us up to some new phases, some new things that will be coming that we have in this cycle an opportunity to prepare for. So I hope that you are intrigued by this new moon. I hope that you are feeling interested enough to dive into some of the intensity and the shifts that we are experiencing in the world and in this new moon. Let's do it. Welcome to the new moon, 
which will be exact at 24 degrees, 56 minutes of Cancer, at 2.32 p.m. in my Eastern Daylight Time Zone. We greet the sun and moon in the third and final decan of Cancer, the moon's home sign. We cannot see this moon, but they're strong, as the ruler of this sign, supported by Jupiter and Taurus. Jupiter and the moon are in a kind of mutual reception by exaltation. The moon is exalted in Taurus, where Jupiter is. Jupiter is exalted in Cancer, where we find the moon. These two celebrate each other. Cancer is the cardinal water sign, known for emotional resonance and support, preferring to stay close to home, connected to family, however we define that. Yet this is an intense new moon in so many ways. One important theme here will be considering and perhaps expanding our definition of who our family includes. The sun and moon sit in one corner of a grand cross that includes Pluto and the nodes of the moon. This tender-hearted moon has landed in deep territory in which the forces of fate are strong. One theme we find in the third decan of Cancer is that of luxury and scarcity. Austin Kopic writes that in the world we know, having a thing implies that someone else does not, perhaps cannot, have it. In the desire to keep our family safe, we stock up, holding on to more than we need in case times get bad. With Pluto opposite the new moon, retrograde in the last degrees of Capricorn, the impulse to grab what we believe we need might be strong. The world has changed, is changing. We have a responsibility to those we care for. The nodes of the moon can reinforce these ideas Poised at zero degrees of Scorpio and Taurus, the nodes will shift into Aries and Libra two and a half hours after the new moon is exact. This shift of the nodes, and therefore of eclipses for the next 18 months, is dynamic and unsettling. What will happen? We don't know, so we'd better prepare. Cancer and Capricorn can invite us into narrow definitions of who we are, who our people are, and what we need. Two additional aspects to the new moon offer a wider view. This new moon is leaving a sextile with Uranus in Taurus and moving into a trine with Neptune in Pisces. Both aspects are well within orb for the luminaries. Uranus invites radically new approaches to any sense of scarcity we feel. What do we really need? Are there new ways, perhaps old ways we've overlooked, to meet those needs? And what about this idea of family? Can we redefine that? Create new alliances? Neptune opens us up in many ways. We're invited to relax into uncertainty. 
were reminded how limited our capacities actually are and asked to be okay with that. At the same time, the worlds open up before us, lands of dreams and visions, places of potential and mystery. What can we find there? Mercury in Leo is ready to get playful, passionate, and creative with plans. A tight square with Jupiter keeps Mercury grounded in the earthy realities of Taurus, but this is Jupiter, after all. There is luck here, beneficence, and philosophical frameworks, as well as expansive ideas of who we are and what we're capable of. The new moon forms a tight square to Eris, who reminds us of the great needs of our Earth. It is possible that we have reached a point as a species on this planet where we must embrace a radically larger view of who our family is and what true security represents. Let's loop back to Pluto for a moment. We are nearing the end of 20-plus years of Pluto in the sign of Capricorn. We have been offered so many opportunities to experience the stark consequences of what we have built. We see how structures we thought were immutable, God-given, have laid waste to everything we thought was ours. This Pluto retrograde back into Capricorn is a last-chance-to-see opportunity. What were we shown during Pluto's time in Capricorn? Have we learned? Have we changed? Maybe yes, maybe no, maybe some of both. But we're reminded. We're human. We build stuff. Is it solid? Is it good? There's something else interesting here. It's been easy to see Capricorn as emblematic of the overwhelming structuring of the modern world. Cities, roads, bureaucracies, corporations, all the things we call infrastructure, which now seem to be breaking down. We also see Capricorn in societal structures that are hugely problematic, systemic injustice, toxic definitions of who we are as people that limit and control us. Yet Capricorn, as an earth sign, is traditionally female, or yin, receptive. Yes, Saturn is typically defined and seen as masculine, but Capricorn is not. As an alternative, I offer the mythic figure of the Kaliak, a powerful, giant-sized old woman of Ireland and Scotland. She is winter. She brings blizzards. She throws rocks around, creating mountains. She collects bones. So it interests me that Austin Kopic, in writing about the third decan of cancer, brings in the goddess Hecate via a reference in an obscure Hellenistic text. She is an ancient great goddess associated with the created world. In this context, it is worth remembering that in traditional cultures, women presided over the mysteries of birth and death, and in many cases still do so today. 
Hecate is also a goddess of magic and sorcery. Later Greek traditions suggested she was a companion of Persephone in the underworld. She certainly understands the dark mysteries. Note that Neptune, trining the new moon, is also sextiling Pluto. What if Hecate offers a bridge between the new moon in Cancer and Pluto in Capricorn? I may seem far afield here, but Pluto's opposition to the new moon plus the squares to the nodes compels us to widen and deepen our explorations. The new moon alone may prefer to stay home, close the curtains, lock the doors, and keep the security system humming. The wider context of Pluto, the nodes, Uranus, and Neptune won't hear of it. The world as we know it today, experience daily, won't let us. Too much is happening that feels wrong. We feel threatened, yet know we can't go back to some fictional golden age. Our resource base and our alliances need to expand, not contract. It's time to get very creative in Uranian and Neptunian ways. So who is family? How big can we go? Can we expand our hearts, our circle of caring, to include all humans across the planet, no matter who? What about all sentient beings? What about all of the manifest world, whether we experience as sentient or not? What about the cosmos? For this new moon, I came back to the phrase, all our relations, which says we are inextricably part of an intricate and interdependent web of life. We have barely scratched the surface of our scientific grasp of how organisms communicate, cooperate, and influence each other. We have no idea what is possible if we all work together. The ancient Greeks had a range of words for what we call love. I'd like to contrast two of those to illustrate what I'm suggesting. Agape is a word we might be familiar with from religious or philosophical contexts. This is a transcendent love, selfless, unconditional, infinite, and therefore associated with deities. It's sometimes defined as the highest form of love because it includes everyone impartially. This is selfless, without expectation, and in that sense, unidirectional. Agape is something we give no matter what we get. Storge is a less familiar word that refers to family love. This is considered to be natural, instinctive, and based in familiarity, dependence, and acceptance. It's also relational and reciprocal, creating mutual support and affection. Agape is a nice philosophical concept. In the concept of today's new moon, though, it feels cold, cerebral, and 
not all that helpful in solving the problems we currently face. Storge, on the other hand, recognizes that we need each other. We are, in fact, dependent on all our relations. We are interdependent. If we could grasp this, not just conceptually, but viscerally, in our bodies where Cancer and Capricorn reside, we might just have a chance. This is Mary Pat Lynch offering you all the support and solid structuring of Cancer and Capricorn at their best and also inviting you into considering how big can we go in defining who our family really is. As always, thank you for listening.